The following program is sponsored by Bell & Pollock PC. Welcome to Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. Attorneys Gary Bell and Brad Pollock are ready to work for you. Reach Gary, Brad, and their team at championsofthepeople.com or by calling 303-795-5900. That's 303-795-5900. Good morning, Colorado. Here we go. You all ready for this? The Bell and Pollock Legal Show. This is an injury show. We are injury attorneys. We're glad to bring the show to you to teach you about a different injury subject each week. And by the way, if you want to re-listen to any of these shows or listen to our other shows, just go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. That's championsofthepeople.com. It's real easy to navigate. Just click on KOA. And you can see the subject titles there, and you can listen to the show. And they're divided for your convenience into halves. And so you can listen to the first half, second half. um, And that's the way we set it up from our inaugural show to now. You know that we cover a different injury subject each week. Our usual and typical example is a car crash. It could be a truck car crash, a bicycle car crash, a pedestrian car crash, injuries. You're injured in a car crash, and so what do you do? You're out, you're, maybe the ambulance is called, EMTs take you to the hospital, to the emergency room, and then you start treating with your doctors. And what about the outfall driver and that insurance company? The outfall driver basically goes on his or her merry way, uh, doesn't really have much decision-making left. And as we've told you in one of our shows previously, that the insurance company for the outfall party then makes all the decisions, all the decisions that's going to affect your life. So... So, we're, today we're going to divide a uh, crash into two basic parts. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit before in the past, but you have to prove liability. That's one basic main part. Then you have to prove damages. That's your injuries, damages, and losses. We've broken those down, and we're going to continue to do so. But liability, we're going to focus on liability today. And you seem like that said might, might, might be an su- easy subject, but liability... So uh, there's a doctrine in Colorado called sudden emergency, and that's what we're going to be dealing with today. Snow and ice is our main example, but there are other types of sudden emergencies. Uh, Why don't we just give a little bit of history of the sudden emergency doctrine, because that's how insurance companies try to avoid responsibility and liability. They call it a sudden emergency. Yeah, if your attorney's still talking sudden emergency uh, from the plaintiff's side, from the injured person's side, uh, you need to uh, address your attorney or direct your attorney to recent case law that has, in a way, not completely, but in a way, um, abrogated the doctrine of sudden emergency. You, you'll still see defense lawyers trying to use it. You'll see arguments being made about it. Uh, you'll see people saying that, look, sudden emergency is uh, is still viable. It's just in a different form. But basically, uh, I think 30, 35 years that I've been practicing the for the most of it, we lived with this claim of sudden emergency and this doctrine of sudden emergency where people tried to excuse themselves for their own negligence, for not doing what they were supposed to be doing, for not driving appropriately, for not making sure they were safe on the roads by claiming they were faced with a sudden emergency. Um, now, that's been abrogated. Uh, you don't really use the term sudden, uh, sub, uh, sudden emergency. But that doesn't mean necessarily that it's gone. It just means that the defense is going to try and bring it up in a different form or in a different way. And you have to be ready for the fact that they're going to do that. If the defense is going to bring it up in a different way, and they always do, then the defense defense attorneys are hired by the insurance company, 
We've covered that. They're hired by the insurance company. The insurance company makes all the decisions as to financial matters, as to how much they're going to pay you or not pay you, or how they're going to try to beat you or diminish or reduce or mitigate your injury claim in dollars down to nothing or next to nothing or very low so that you walk away. And they want you to leave and they want you to go home and don't bother them anymore. And so you need to know the rules. You need to know the rules of the road. That's what we discuss here. Sudden emergency. This is a big subject. You can deal with snow and ice. They claim it was a sudden emergency. You're rear-ended. Boom. You're hit and your life changes. And you have medical treatment and medical bills and expenses and you maybe you can't work for a period of time or forever. But they claim it was a sudden emergency. They claim they don't want to pay you anything. And so this sudden emergency doctrine can apply to snow and ice, which we're going to break down to its component parts today. But it can also apply to uh, other things like um, animals crossing the road, deers crossing the road, dogs crossing the road, a phantom cars. Let's talk about that. Well, it's just about anything that happens on the road. It can be a, a condition that causes you to pass out. But the bottom line is, is when you're dealing with a, that, that, that particular event that occurred that resulted in the crash, you've got to go past the idea that it's a sudden emergency and you have to determine whether or not the person is driving appropriately, whether or not they're driving appropriately under the, the circumstances they were faced with. Uh, the, the, the defense always wanted that additional uh, jury instruction. And it started out with common law where that instruction was being given. Uh, it seemed to be have a life of its own until finally our our Supreme Court came out and said, well, wait a minute, uh, this is of minimal value to be talking about sudden emergency. It can confuse the jury and you already get that instruction anyway, because the question isn't really whether or not you're faced with a sudden emergency. It's the question is, are you driving reasonable under the circumstances? And that's the question that has to be asked. Are you driving reasonable under the circumstances? And with sudden emergencies, uh, that you have to a lot of times go back and you have to start back, not just when the person started driving, but prior to that, you know, you have, you have to, you have to go back a lot of times to their, the last time they were at the doctor or the last time they got health care, or how they were taking care of their bodies or whether or not, uh, what they were doing, the, the sudden emergency, and most certainly somebody wouldn't say, Hey, I was faced with a sudden emergency because I was drunk and all of a sudden I, um, I, I couldn't properly drive my car. You know, that's not a sudden emergency, but yet people might want to argue that it's a circumstance they were faced with that they had a reaction to being too drunk as in falling asleep or drowsy. And that caused them to be faced with a sudden emergency. Well, uh, we started saying you can't use excuses that are really not excuses to, to get to avoid the responsibility when you've hurt somebody. You know, this is complicated case law, and case law is the common law. We taught you before that there's, there's statutory law passed by the legislature and then common law, case-made law, that we inherited from England, and those are the cases. Those are case decisions, court decisions, and they are binding law, and that's what we're talking about here. And so for years, years, the insurance company had leeway, and their lawyers had leeway, uh, to implement the uh, sudden emergency jury instruction. And why do we talk about jury instructions here? Brad just mentioned it. Uh, what difference does it make to you as an injured victim? That's the law that's going to be applied in your case. The jury instruction the judge gives is the law. So most good lawyers uh, know what the jury instruction at the very beginning in your legal game plan because that's where you need to navigate to and through. You need to know the jury instruction. That's the law. And so we're talking about sudden emergency today. But so you're rear-ended and you say... 
geez, you know, this wasn't my fault. Surely some insurance company is going to pay me for my medical bills, pay me for my losses. They're going to look for a way to beat you. They're going to look for a way to defeat you. Sudden emergency. Now, you can't create your own sudden emergency and then call it a sudden emergency. Brad just alluded to the fact that you're driving drunk. That's not a sudden emergency. So we have the Kendrick versus uh, Pippin case and the Young case, and, and then we're going to get into the Bador case, which the Colorado Supreme Court then abolished the doctrine of sudden emergency, but we're going to tell you how the insurance companies still try to use it. And so, you, you know, Brad, um, let's just touch a little bit about these sudden emergencies because these phantom cars, somebody claims, well, there was a car that made me swerve, there was a car, and that car didn't stay around, and nobody knows who that car is, and they and there was no contact made, but it... it caused me to hit you that, that becomes quite a challenge when you're dealing with the, the work we deal in and when you're dealing with somebody who's been hurt from crash uh, trying to address the fact that they're dealing with a phantom car and a phantom car did this or that nobody saw this phantom car nobody can say what it it did except for the person who's trying to blame it their responsibility or push their responsibility off on a third party uh, most of the time you're going to be able to defeat that by by arguing that there's more to a phantom car than just a sudden emergency. Uh, what was going on? How were you driving? How did this phantom car come up and cause you to have to swerve or cause you to have to do something? Why did nobody else see it? What was going on with this car? Uh, but the bottom line is, is did should you have anticipated that? Should you have been able to understand that this driving might occur? What were you doing as you were driving down the road, and did you take an appropriate action when it occurred? Right. You know, we're talking about jury instructions, and that usually comes in a jury trial and instruction by the court to the jury as to the law in the case. But you and your attorney need to use the jury instructions, i.e. the law, in your case, as to sudden emergency in, in this show, at the very, very beginning. That gives you part, not all, part of the game plan. You know, you can call us anytime at 303-795-5900. That's 795-5900. Our website, championsofthepeople.com. We represent injured victims all over the state of Colorado. Brad, sometimes people say, well, they crossed the center line. That was a sudden emergency. Or uh, the uh, there was wind conditions. That was a sudden emergency. Or the, a dog ran across the road and I had to stop. Or the, uh, a good one on the highways is deer. And so we, you have to know how the sudden emergency doctrine plays out. Right. You do have to know how the sudden emergency doctrine plays out. And a lot of times, if, if they're arguing sudden emergency in those circumstances, that they're probably going to be designated a non-party at fault trying to claim that non-party is at fault by having caused the crash. And once again, you need to, as the lawyer then, sit down and go in detail and in specific with specific information as to what happened. And then find if there's anybody who can verify this person's statement. Uh, one thing you've learned when you do this long enough is that people try and find excuses to avoid responsibility for the fact they hurt somebody. And that includes insurance companies every time, all the time. They want to reduce the payout. They want to keep the money in their claims department, their insurance company, and that's exactly how they do it and what they do. You need a legal game plan. You can get one at Bell & Pollock, 303-795-5900. Sudden emergencies. So you say, well, it's a liability question. It's easy because somebody rear-ended me or somebody ran a red light and T-boned me. So why am I, why am I paying attention to this? Why does this matter to me? Snow and ice. What do you do in snow and ice? Is that a sudden emergency? Next up. 
Bell and Pollock, Snow and Ice, championsofthepeople.com. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Gary Bell with the law firm of Bell and Pollock. This is your Legal Minute. We're talking about a legal game plan. What do you mean a legal game plan? You know, you have game plans in sports. You have recipes. You have to follow the instructions. You have directions, how to put things together. You have architectural blueprints on construction projects. You don't just guess. Bell and Pollock gives you a legal game plan based on your injuries, your accident, the way it happened, how you were injured, your pre-existing medical condition. How do you prove your claim? You need a legal game plan. Look, if you got a neck injury, that's a different legal game plan. If you're going to need neck surgery, that's a different legal game plan. If you're going to have low back injections, that's a different legal game plan. If the insurance company is going to deny liability and blame you for the accident, that's a different legal game plan. It's free. Bell and Pollock in our free initial consultation, championsofthepeople.com. Bell and Pollock. Find them online at championsofthepeople.com. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Good morning. Welcome back to the Bell and Pollock Injury Show, Champions of the People, and that's our website, championsofthepeople.com. Today, we're dealing with our typical, usual example of a car crash. You're injured in the car crash. It was the other person's fault. You've been treating for weeks, months, sometimes years. You decide to put put an injury claim into the insurance company for the outfall party. The person who hits you and sent you reeling and sent you down to the emergency room and off to the doctors and off for months of medical treatment. And so you submit the claim to the insurance company. And they said, we're not going to pay you. And you say, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, your person rear-ended me. You're not going to pay me. No, because it was a sudden emergency. That's why you need to listen to this show. You get the rules, the, ro- the rules of the road right here. If you don't know the rules on the road, you're lost. If you don't follow a recipe when you cook, you're lost. If you don't follow directions on how to put a product together when you buy it, same thing. If you don't use your navigation system when you get in your car and you don't know where you're going, where are you going to end up? A legal game plan, a strategy. We wrote a book called Legal Game Plan. We put over 30 years of our experience into that book. You can have it for free at our website, championsofthepeople.com. And you can, you can get any of our books. We have six books. Uh, you can get them free. And if you call our law firm, we'll send you a hard copy. You can download an e-copy on our website. So we have the cases in Colorado, Kendrick versus P- Pippin. We had Young versus Clark. They were talking about sudden emergencies. Then there came a time. Then there came a time there was a snow and ice case, and and basically the famous snow and ice case, and, and in the Bedore case, and in the Young case before. So basically it said, the person said there was snow and ice out there, but that was a sudden emergency. And then one of the arguments in front of the Colorado Supreme Court was, well, she, the defendant, testified she knew it was raining, she knew it was snowing, and she knew there was going to be ice and, and snow, so she expected it. Right. Uh, the doctrine of sudden emergency, to the extent you can even argue it anymore, or to the extent you want to uh, bring it in the back door, is uh, requires that there, there has to be a sudden and unexpected emergency or event which was not caused by the person's own negligence. Uh, so, you know, you're talking about the fact that there has to be a sudden and unexpected emergency. 
Well, how often do you really get into a sudden unexpected emergency when you're driving, especially when the favorite use of the sudden emergency doctrine for defense lawyers and for defendants and for insurance companies forever uh, on a consistent basis was the fact that it was snow or ice. They ran into ice. They didn't realize that patch was going to be an icy patch. They hadn't expected the snow and ice. And it was always just a, a constant battle to respond and to get people to understand, well, wait a minute, you got up in the morning and you looked outside and you saw that snow and ice out there. You saw the roads or you got on the roads and you started driving and you saw what was there. And now the question is, is once again, when we're talking about a crash under those circumstances, now there's some other ones we can talk about, but when you're talking about a crash under those circumstances, you probably got down and you went down Santa Fe or you went down Broadway or you went down a road and there were probably hundreds, if not thousands of cars that went down that road before and after you that didn't have a crash. But yet you're saying, well, wait a minute, I had a crash because that snow and ice caused me to crash, and that was a sudden emergency, and I'm not responsible for that. And they would get that instruction, saying if they were faced or presented with a sudden emergency, an unexpected event. And they'd always say, well, it was unexpected that I would go sliding into the other person. It was unexpected that I'd lose control of my car on the ice or, or in the snow and that I would, or in the heavy rain where I hydroplane and I would go, go crashing into somebody and hurt them. But yet all these other cars did it. All the other cars got by. They didn't have a problem. And you were the only one. And then you start saying, what were you doing different than everybody else when driving in snow and ice? What were you doing different when driving in heavy traffic or when driving in, in, in the heavy rain? What were you doing different that shouldn't allow you to be claiming it's a sudden emergency? Sudden emergencies, you need to understand them. You want to understand them because that, that affects your claim. It affects your claim with the insurance company and how much money they're going to pay you. And, and if they claim a sudden emergency, they don't want to pay you anything. I mean, listen, you might have $100,000 of medical bills, $25,000, $200,000. I mean, we've done cases where the medical bills are over a million dollars. The medical bills. And they don't want to pay any part of it. And the medical bills, as you know, are just one part of your damages, just one part, not the whole thing. Not all categories, and they don't want to pay because there was a sudden emergency. They, meaning the insurance company. And Brad just said a minute ago, he said they get an instruction, meaning jury instruction, meaning the law that applies to your case. You need to know that, and your attorney has to know that at the very, very beginning. At the outset, the genesis of the claim, an injury claim, is putting the facts into the law. The law is now in sudden emergency, the case of Bedore versus Johnson decided by the Colorado Supreme Court. And they said the Colorado Supreme Court looked at the deposition of the defendant, the at-fault driver, looked at the deposition, and basically in these line of cases said that the defendant testified, the driver, the at-fault driver testified, that she realized there was, uh, she looked outside before she got in her car, and she realized there was snow uh, on the road. So there's a reasonable expectation that there's going to be snow and ice. So they can't use a sudden emergency to avoid responsibility and liability. But, uh, Brad, as you and I both know, they, they the Bedore versus Johnson's case said you can't use sudden emergency, but they try in different backdoor methods and indirect ways to use it against you. Well, sure. And and the thing that's, that's amazing about it is when they argue the sudden emergency, and once again, if your lawyer is letting them use the term sudden emergency, your lawyer is probably not up to date on what's going on, 
and your your lawyer needs to get up to date. Uh, Bedora versus Johnson was decided in 2013. Uh, so, you know, the first words that the the lawyer should be saying in response to any statement of, quote, sudden emergency, the minute you hear those words, is to say that that doesn't apply anymore. That's gone. That doesn't matter. Now, what matters now, it, and, the, and the funny thing about the sudden emergency doctrine is it seemed to lessen the standard of care at times when really the standard of care should have been heightened. We should have been requiring a greater standard of care, not a lesser standard of care. And for when we talk about this, we talk about a standard of care. When you get into your car, you have a standard of care. You need to drive your car as a reasonably prudent person would drive a car under the circumstances. And when you start trying to apply those circumstances or what that means, you know, you can be a jury. And you can sit there and pretend you're a juror right now. Everybody listening, pretend you're a juror and say, what do I say? What, what, what do I believe is a reasonable standard of care? How should a reasonably prudent person drive their car? And if you're looking outside and you're seeing a sunny day, uh, dry streets, no gravel, it's a great, great visibility, great traction, everything's going good, your car's in great shape, your tires are in great shape, you say, there's a particular standard of care or way that I expect myself to drive that car, and I expect everybody else to drive their car. That's what I expect. Now we start going to the next step, and we start saying, well, let's add in. Let's add in that it's a, a day when you have lack of visibility, where the visibility is not as great. And it seemed like sudden emergency always lessened the standard of care, saying, well, you don't have to be as careful. Because now, if you get in a crash, you can say, well, the visibility was bad, so I'm not responsible, so everything's fine. And you didn't have to drive as a reasonably prudent person under this new circumstance of roads are dry. I can drive along, but my visibility's poor. So as a reasonably prudent person, should I be driving in a different standard of care? Right. You can give us a call anytime at 303-795-5900-795-5900 or go to our website. You can email us, you, uh, t- uh, championsofthepeople.com. You can contact us. You get a free initial consultation and a free legal game plan. And you can have a copy of our book if you want it. Most people do when they come in, they want the copy of the legal game plan book. You need a strategy or strategies, sudden emergency. You cannot create your own sudden emergency. So when you, when a diabetic is noncompliant, passes out, crashes into you, they cannot call that a sudden emergency, but they try you and your attorney, uh, you know, at Bell and Pollock, here's what we do. We try to never let the insurance company's attorneys in trial even mention the word sudden emergency. We file a motion to, to have the judge enter an order that they can't use those words. And so the law school definition, the typical law school definition of negligence, Brad is a reasonably careful person. What would they do under the same or similar circumstances? And that's where you want to head. Right. And, and that's where sometimes you have to look at circumstances going way back prior to the crash. You have to look at circumstances, maybe going a sec- seconds prior to the crash, but you have to talk about what the reasonably prudent or reasonably careful person would do. And and that's why the instruction, the jury instruction, our Supreme Court stated it should no longer be given because it misled, it didn't properly instruct on what was going on with regard to the person. 
Because when you get out there and start driving, you have to be ready for certain circumstances. When you start driving, you have to be ready for certain circumstances. Uh, when you first get in the car and it's in your eye and your windshield's iced over. Well, you need to scrape off the windshield period. You need to be able to see where you're going. Now, if all of a sudden you cause a crash because you changed lanes and you didn't scrape off your back window, and you didn't see, or your side window, you didn't see somebody, you, you can't look and say, well, it's a sudden emergency because it was snowing. You, the, the reason the crash occurred was because you didn't have the, the, the right precautions taken before you drove or while you were driving to make sure you could see people. You can't, you, you know, that you say this might sound simplistic, but simplistic turns into complicated because they don't want to pay you. So next up, what if they say, you know, I hit you, I'm sorry. I didn't know there was snow and ice. I'm sorry. There was black ice. I'm so sorry. And the insurance company says, we're sorry. Sorry that you're hurt. Sorry you have $100,000 in medical bills, but we're not going to pay you. Bell and Pollock, champions of the people. We'll be right back. Honey, the kids are going nuts. Everybody's stir-crazy. And my patience is running thin. It's almost lunchtime. Why don't we go to Caitlin's? Their food is amazing. And they have those awesome baskets filled with fun to keep the kids pacified and entertained. Oh, that sounds perfect. What is it you like to get there again? Ooh, for starters, I love their green chili and chicken nachos. Then, I usually get most queso with the ground chuck patty, cheddar, and jack cheese. Diced onions, tomatoes, and green chilies between two warm flour tortillas. Served at the side of green or red chili. Yum! What about you? Well, I'm famished, so I think I'll get one of their 13 sandwiches. Hmm, maybe I'll get one of each. And I, and I love the way you can get their sandwiches made into wraps instead. Maybe one of their bacon green chili cheeseburgers or their salads. Or, Honey, drain it in. Kids, we're going to Caitlin's. Caitlin's Restaurant at the corner of Mississippi and South Birch Street, just east of Colorado Boulevard in Glendale. Open Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday, 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. Caitlin's Restaurant. You'll love it every bite of the way. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Fasten your seatbelt. Here we go. The Bell and Pollock Injury Show, the Champions of the People Injury Show. We do it for you. Education, information is empowering. You have to beat the insurance company. They're going to try to beat you. they got a strategy or strategies. They have their own attorneys. They have their own doctors. Some of them have doctors down the hallway. Some of them are orthopedic surgeons on call. They all have these doctors where they can have them call them to examine you, called so-called independent medical examinations. The point I'm trying to make is they have their own strategy, and it's a very detailed, comprehensive legal strategy you can have your own strategy you can have our legal game plan when you come to see us if you've been injured a family a member's been injured 303-795-5900 we'll be glad to talk to you and give you a free initial consultation and a free legal game plan this is war you can win this war to win it you need to know the attacks it's like a military operation i've said that all the time you need to know your enemy. You need to know the attack. You need to know their propensities. You need to know their rules, their approaches, and how they're going to come at you. Then you can win the war. Now, 
What does all this mean? We got sudden emergency. The Colorado Supreme Court in the case of Bedore versus Johnson abolished the doctrine of sudden emergency. And now we're talking about the law school textbook definition of negligence, what a reasonable person would do under the same or similar circumstances. Then enter the doctrine of comparative negligence. And so let's let's lay the groundwork for comparative negligence because that applies to sudden emergencies, so-called sudden emergencies, and it applies to snow and ice conditions. And, and wow, it, amazing what they what they dream of for an excuse. Somehow you're comparatively negligent to what they're doing, to what somebody else is doing. Uh, so so somebody is out there driving. They're not heeding the circumstances. They're not paying attention to to the road conditions. They're not paying attention to the highway. They're not paying attention to uh, the, the weather, and they're not paying attention to what they're doing. They somehow feel they have a right to drive any way they want, to drive not the way they want, notwithstanding what the circumstances might be. And then somehow they claim that you're comparatively negligent. And what excuse are they going to use to say you're comparatively negligent? And that's something you've got to be ready for and what excuse they're going to use. Why are they going to say you were comparatively negligent? Uh, maybe maybe you, you stopped too soon, too sudden. You shouldn't have stopped when you did. Or maybe you didn't take off as fast as you should have from the, from the light. Um, maybe you did have a little bit of a slip out and it caused them to panic and run into you. The, the, the excuses they're going to try and use uh, is, is amazing. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to say that I'm not 100% negligent for this. I'm only 75% negligent or I'm only 90% negligent. You did some things wrong, too, that you shouldn't have done. And because you did those things, now I don't have a full responsibility to you for all the injuries I caused. You know, the, these conditions about snow and ice, and that's part of the sudden emergency doctrine. We try to never let the other side use those words, sudden emergency. we got to talk about the comparative negligence statute. That, that means the compare the negligence of all the parties involved in the crash, the at-fault party and you. And that's when the insurance company tries to blame you for part of 10%, 5% at fault. 45% of fault. If they put over 50, 50% or over fault on you, you get nothing. Zero under the statute. Zero. doesn't matter about the snow and ice. You know, uh, factors to consider. Did they slow down? Did they turn on their lights and wipers? Did they increase the following distance to four seconds? Avoid, uh, did they avoid puddles? Puddles. Were they prepared to handle a skid safely? I, I, I'm going to tell you a real live example. Brad and I just finished a case where uh, a truck, an 18-wheeler, rear-ended somebody at an intersection and they tried they tried to say it was snow and ice and tried to say uh, th- that there was sand on the road and the truck driver didn't really know uh, that this person was going to stop at the intersection and so it was a snow and ice uh, case and of course the, the truck lost control and the rear end the rear end condition happened it's that basic it's that important well it, i can't tell you how many times we've dealt with cases where they claimed that our client who was injured didn't have their their signals working and so they didn't know which way they were going what they were doing um it amazes me how many times they'll say i didn't know they were making a right turn or a left turn be, because they didn't have their blinker on but at the same time when you say well you know that's that's going to be a fight because our client says of course i turned my blinker on and they're saying no the blinker wasn't on and of course the police officer check and they find that everything was working all right but okay the the fact they were turning isn't what caused the the the, the at fault party to run into the back end of them. What caused the at fault party to run into the back end of them is the fact that they were slowing down for the turn. 
And so they're slowing down. So the next step you do is you go, you say, well, well, wait a minute. The, the tail lights were working. The brake lights were working. You saw this person was slowing down. You saw they, they were coming to a stop. That's what brake lights mean. Now, in actuality, they probably weren't coming to a stop. They were coming, they were slowing down to make their right-hand turn, or maybe they were coming to a stop to wait for traffic to pass as they're making the left-hand turn. But the important part about it is, is that, you know, the person claims, well, your blinker wasn't working, and that's what caused me to run into the rear end of you when it really wasn't. You had plenty of opportunity to stop, but once again, they're going to make the argument. They want to put some comparative negligence on you, and they're hoping they can dupe a jury they're hoping they can dupe the finder of fact into believing that, hey, if you don't have your blinker on, then you are uh, comparatively negligent. We don't care about the fact that all the other signals were there and the appropriate ones were there to have us not run into you. We just want to find that you did something wrong and claim because you did something wrong, now you're responsible. You can call our law firm Bell & Pollock anytime. We'll give you a free initial consultation and a free legal game plan. Uh, 303-795-5900, that's 795-5900, or go to our website, championsofthepeople.com. You can fill out a form there. We'll contact you and cover your case, your circumstances. Basically, the the law in Colorado after it was the, the Bedore versus Johnson case said where the Colorado Supreme Court abolished the doctrine of sudden emergency, abolished it, but they still tried to use it in one way or another. Basically, the law is, a, is the law of negligence, and we just gave you the statutory textbook definition of negligence and then the statute of comparative negligence. It boils down to this. Did the at-fault driver have a reasonable belief, expectation, or should they have a reasonable belief or expectation of these of the snow and ice and so if you go to bed at night and you know it's snowing hard uh in in colorado then you have an expectation there's going to be snow and ice in the morning there's going to be slush if you're driving in the mountains it starts to snow then you realize it's going to be snow and ice if you go through the minor the minor uh, items like what was the following distance was there puddles uh, did you know that there was going to be there was going to be oil and grease on the highway uh, increase when it starts raining or snowing? Or you would be aware of icy patches? Did you see snow or ice on the on the road when you were driving that day before the crash? And Brad just made a great point a minute ago uh, that well, all these other cars, thousands of other cars, had no problem, but you had the problem. And the insurance company, through their attorneys, tried to convince the jury that there was a sudden emergency and it wasn't really nobody fault. And that's the way they try to avoid responsibility. The, the, the real question you have to ask each time is, did you make proper adjustments to your driving to address what the problem was? And it, we, we, can use, so we can use some examples. I mean, if, if you're driving at late at night and you're tired and you're sleepy and you're starting to drowse and you realize that you're starting to drowse, the proper adjustment is to pull over and get some sleep. The proper adjustment is to do something to make sure you stay awake. That's a proper adjustment. Makes sense. Nobody, I think, listening can argue to that fact that that's the proper adjustment. Okay? So if you suddenly run into somebody because you fell asleep at the will, the question is, did you really make a proper adjustment? Now let's put it on snow and ice. If you're driving down snow and ice. Now how many of you sitting there can say you've been driving your car down the road on snow and ice, being careful, 
acting like a reasonable person, prudent person, and next thing you know, comes zipping by you is some four-wheel drive Jeep or truck or other car. It doesn't have to be a Jeep or truck, any car that goes by you because they got four-wheel drive or they act like they're, they're able to get through it, through the snow and ice better. And the first thing you think in your mind is, wow, that person's really, really not driving very well. And you realize, well, really what they've done is they haven't made proper adjustments for the snow and ice. Now, we, we all know what the problem is with these people going through. Yes, they've got better traction. They've got great tires. They've got studs. They've got chains. They've got great tires. They've got a four-wheel drive. They're going through it. But their stopping distance doesn't change. And so they're zipping through because they can get through the, the, the snow and ice. Their stopping distance doesn't change. And so when they get in a crash and you don't, did they really get faced with a sudden emergency? Is it really the snow's fault or the ice fault? Or did they not make proper adjustments for the circumstances, not of having a four-wheel drive and not of having great tires, but of recognizing that stopping distance don't change and I am going to have it actually be longer if I hit black ice or if I hit snow ice or if I hit some kind of condition. Snow and ice. And the bottom line is on all these conditions we're talking about, all these uh, sudden emergencies, so-called sudden emergencies, uh, is there a reasonable expectation of the driver to anticipate? Was it foreseeable that's an important word in the law at trial in your case for settlement was it foreseeable and all those factors we've been talking about goes into whether or not the at-fault party should have foreseen driving his or her car today the snow and ice or there would be black ice or there would be frozen roadways or it was raining then it turned to snow and then it was freezing and the temperatures are below 32 degrees and the roads frozen should have foreseen these events and so this is a war that you can win to win the war you must have a strategy part of your legal strategy would be able to prove what they could foresee and what they should expect and therefore they creamed you and injured you and took you out of your game plan in life bell and pollock champions of the people we'll be right back Hi, I'm Gary Bell of the law firm of Bell & Pollock. We are injury attorneys. This is your legal minute. What happens if you're hit by a driver that does not have any insurance? They said, I'm sorry, my insurance expired last month. I'm sorry, I never got any insurance. Or better yet, I've seen it happen. Here's my insurance card, but when you call the company, they said it expired three months ago. They have no insurance. What do you do? Where do you go? I'll tell you right now. You need to go to your own car insurance policy, the UM. Coverage. UM stands for uninsured motorist coverage. Make it as high as you can get it right now. Because if you're hit by a driver with no insurance, this is where you go to recover for your injuries and losses. Gary Bell, Bell and Pollock, Champions of the People.com will help you. Bell and Pollock. Find them online at Champions of the People.com. It's Mandy Connell, and it's time for Your Legal Minute, brought to you by my friends at Bell & Pollock. Listen to their show right here on KOA every Saturday at 10 a.m. Hi, I'm Gary Bell of the law firm of Bell & Pollock. This is Your Legal Minute. I tell you what, you're injured in a car crash. You go to the emergency room. You go to your medical doctors. They give you medical treatment. They give you conservative modalities of treatment, but you're still hurting. Maybe your neck hurts. Maybe it's your low back. 
Maybe the emergency room doctor said your MRI was perfectly normal, but you still hurt. You Can you still recover? Of course you can recover. You need to prove your injuries, damages, and losses. You need to file a legitimate, truthful, complete claim with the insurance company for the outfault party, and you need to understand what the laws are in Colorado. Bell and Pollock, championsofthepeople.com. We can help you. We can explain your rights to you. We can explain them so you'll understand them and know what to do and what not to do. Bell and Pollock, championsofthepeople.com will help you. Bell and Pollock. Find them online at championsofthepeople.com. We're back with Champions of the People, the Bell and Pollock Injury Show. For over three decades, the personal injury attorneys at Bell and Pollock have provided compassionate, personalized legal service. Put their experience to work for you. Go to championsofthepeople.com or call 303-795-5900. Here we go. The Bell and Pollock Legal Show, the Champions of the People Injury Show, our website, championsofthepeople.com. Our telephone number, 303-795-5900. You come into our law firm, you're going to meet with an attorney. You're going to have experience on your side. You can have any of our books for free. You're going to get a free initial consultation. And by the way, your strategy, your legal game plan is is tailored to you. Your type of accident, was it snow and ice? Different game plan. Was it a drunk driver? Different game plan. Was the uh, defendant driver, the at-fault driver, medically uh, non-compliant? Different game plan. That's on liability. We're talking about liability today. We're talking about we're not talking about your injuries, your damages and losses because they're going to try to beat it on liability. If they win on liability, they don't pay you anything, nothing, zero. Or if they win part of it, as we explained on the comparative negligence statute, they blame you for party for forty percent of it uh, or more. And under that example, let's use a stupid example, number example. Let's say you're going to recover hundred dollars. That's not that that's stupid because all injury cases are worth a lot. So $100, but if they blame you for 40% of the negligence, they're going to subtract 40% from the $140 and only pay you 60 And we're not even to the damages, injury, and losses, how they're going to attack your injuries. So that's very important that you know this, but you can win this war. Uh, you know, while we're, while we're talking about this, have you ever got on the Internet and got the driving manual? You might have taken your te- driving test long ago. You ever seen the driving manual on these subjects we're talking about? And also, Brad, there's a careless driving statute in Colorado. There's a reckless driving statute in Colorado. These have to be pleaded. These have to be used by your attorney and you, and it has to be done in your case. For sure. The attorney has to take a look and realize what's going to be the the defense in the case, what's being argued in the case, and watch how the pleadings come out. The attorney also has to look at what the pleadings are that the defense advances. What is the defense arguing to begin with? To make a to so the attorney has the, uh, an awareness and knowledge of what's happening and can start directing or addressing the excuses that are being made. Um, obviously, the the first people normally on a crash, as far as after you're with the first responders and the police is an adjuster, an insurance adjuster, who's taking a statement. Sometimes those insurance adjusters will share the statement. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes you can find that they've slanted the statement. Sometimes they've got, they've done a straight-up statement. You have to pay attention to this. You don't get a chance to talk to the client, or we don't get a chance to talk to our client most of the time before the crash. I mean, obviously not before the crash has occurred, but even before the adjuster talks to them about the crash. Why is that so important? Because the adjuster can try to slant it into making you second guess what you're saying. Can try to slant the whole the whole interview to make you believe that maybe you did do something wrong or get you to review your actions 
in 2020 hindsight and say, man, you could have done something to have avoided this crash. You could have done this. You could have done that. Or really, we, we can all just agree that this was a crash that was unavoidable because of these events and then start rattling off events. And it's important that you recognize and you slow down and recognize that, wait a minute, some of these events are not events that that, that made the crash unavoidable. They are events that were unavoidable. And if the event itself was unavoidable, then the crash was something that didn't have to happen. And so that's what you have to realize. If, if, you, if the event didn't have to happen, then the crash didn't have to happen. And you've got to look at what is causing the, the, the claim that, man, we, it was just the circumstances and nobody could have done anything different. Insurance company attorneys always want to focus on the snow and ice, focus on the conditions of the road, focus on... This was very dangerous. This was unforeseen. This was a sudden emergency. You and your attorneys need to focus on the driver who hit you, the at-fault driver. And so, you know, uh, you do this by breaking it down to its simple components because many times, and we've covered it in these shows before, we say you're rear-ended and you say, how in the world could I be at fault because I was rear-ended? And we're explaining it to you. And we're telling you. And you can be partially at fault, wholly at fault. When you start to prove these, when you start to develop your legal game plan, careless driving in Colorado, the statute, 42-4-1402, I won't bore you with the statutory site, but it tarts off a person who drives a motor vehicle without due regard, without due regard for the width, grade, curves, corners, traffic, and use of the streets and highways, without due regard, is guilty of careless driving. You know, Brad, we can say almost the same thing. The, st- the statutory definition of reckless driving is the same. But you must build this into your legal game plan from the very get-go so that you can file the claim with the insurance company so you can win the war. Sure. And that's that takes examining the case and recognizing what the factors are that led up to the crash. And that's why I'm saying you need to go back. A lot of times you need to go back past the crash. And you have to look at the circumstances. You know, it, people don't realize uh, you, you've got to pay attention to the area in which the crash occurred. Did it occur in mountain driving? Did it occur in city driving? Did it occur in rural driving? H- how many of you sitting right there think or, or if, have ever thought that, wait a minute, does my driving have to change based on whether I'm in the city, whether I'm in the mountains, or whether I'm driving out in, the, in farm country in the rural areas? Now, probably every single one of you that's a driver and has driven these different areas, you do change your way of driving. You do change your habits. You do change the way you're looking at things, your lookout, and what you're watching for, and what might be important to you and what might not be important to you as far as avoiding injury to your occupants and to other people when driving. But the lawyer representing you and when you get into a crash these are things that have to be considered right away where were you why were you there and what were you doing were you were you driving down the road looking for an address in a in a residential area or looking for a particular store in a city area or were you driving down the road in a rural area where you were just passing through to get to an, another location and how does that change your driving habits and the lookout that you have to have if you're missing these points, if your attorney's missing these points, then you're missing the strategies. You're missing part of the strategies. You have to have multiple strategies. If you come see us, we'll give you multiple strategies, a legal game plan. We'll give you a copy of our book. We trademark protected our book, Legal Game Plan. Brad and I have over 30 years of experience each helping injured victims put their lives back together again. 
We packed a lot into this book. We can pack a lot into your case. Think about this for a minute. Think about this. All these factors we've been talking about, you've got to adjust your, your driving conditions. And if, if you go to page 26 of the Colorado Driver's, Driver's Manual, you'll see what we're talking about. But all these factors, fog, rain, snow, oil, grease, did, were you aware? Did you have reasonable expectations? Could you foresee the definition of re- reckless driving in Colorado? Reckless driving, not careless driving. A person who drives a motor vehicle with a wanton or willful disregard for the safety of persons is guilty of reckless driving. A wanton or willful disregard. So, I'm going to ask you rhetorical questions. It is, a, is it a wanton and willful, willful disregard to not adjust your driving conditions? It is a wanton and willful disregard to speed during snow and ice. Is it wanton and willful to not reasonably foresee and expect these conditions on the roadway? So, now you're talking about rules of the road, careless driving, reckless driving, the Colorado Driver's Manual. These are the rules. These are the ways you win this war. So when you're looking at a sudden emergency, you have to look and you have to decide, you have to ask, really, what were the circumstances leading up to the sudden emergency? And was this something that should have never been an emergency to begin with? It should have never been in any kind of problem to begin with because you should have adjusted what you were doing to address that factor. And so you have to look at each and every factor. And, and like Gary said earlier, when you're talking about di- a diabetic uh, attack, something that's, that's been caused by diabetes, and, you know, you've got to go back when you, uh, and, and see whether or not the person took their insulin when they should have. Did they? Or did, have they been following the proper diet? Did they create their own emergency? An emergency which started a month ago or which started two months prior? Did, did when somebody starts getting medications and they start taking the medications and they start mixing the medications, especially they're getting a number of different medications. Two months, three months later, they're in a crash where they've hurt somebody because they haven't been paying attention or they or they passed out or they were in a fog or they they were too tired. Was the real were they faced with a sudden emergency of just passing out, or did they really? cause their own emergency, cause their own problem starting two or three months earlier when they were taking medications and drugs without paying attention to what effect it has on them and without making sure that uh, how the drugs interacted. Right. If you look at page 26 of the Colorado Driver's Manual, you'll see these are the rules of the road. You had to study these rules to and pass these rules to get a driver's license. You have to comply with the rules of the road. The defendant, the at-fault driver, has to comply. The insurance company has to comply. Do not let them blame you for this crash in the snow and ice when they say it was a sudden emergency. So you're partially at fault. No. Do not let them talk about sudden emergency to you. You're going to talk about the comparative negligence statute, and you're going to talk about the textbook definition of negligence, what a reasonable person would do under the same or similar circumstances, and you're going to talk about these factors. And Brad hit the nail right on the head. you got to look back. Take the point of the time of the accident, the collision, and look back. Back, meaning what happened. Meaning what were the factors or the, or the facts, the knowledge, the weather forecast that would make somebody foresee and understand and have a reasonable expectation that they should engage in appropriate, adjustable, and adjusted driving behavior. That's one of the ways you start with your legal game plan. You start with the statutes. You start with the common law. We, we talked about reckless driving today. We talked about careless driving. That's part of it. The comparative negligence statute, that's part of it. How did this crash occur? How are they going to try to beat you 
on liability? How are they going to try to blame you? How are they going to blame the liability, the event, the accident on you or on somebody else to reduce their exposure, meaning money, meaning less money? Gary Bell, Brad Pollack, our law firm is Bell & Pollack. We do cases all over the state of Colorado, and we have for over 30 years. We can help you put your life back together again. Call us at 303-795-5900 or our website, championsofthepeople.com, because we are your champions of the people.